Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Let's go back to 2011 with Squidge. Let's look at the World Cup again with Squidge. Hello and welcome to the Squid Rugby World Cup Retrospective, a podcast that definitely remembers how to do podcasts, that definitely remembers how we do this after this long time. How are you doing? Hello. Uh, I'm, I'm good, thank you, Robbie Owen. Um, I, do you want to hear a joke? Great, yes please. I'm, I, I'm so like, the joke goes something like this, um, I'm so uh, not used to podcasting, we haven't done it since last year. <laughs> Sorry, I became a gorilla for a moment. Um, that's a really good joke. Thank you. Thanks, man. Um, yeah. Um, can, have, have you got any jokes? Yes. Um, it's called The Scottish Defence in oh. about 2007. Um, oh, that is a good I one. thought I'd keep it topical, you know. Yeah. I yeah. thought I'd, I'd keep it quite relevant. Yeah. Can I just remind you that the World Cup we're doing about... I know you're not doing the podcast yeah. in a while, but we're doing about 2011, not 2007. No, we're doing you, 2007 have you, now. Have you been watching the wrong games? Wait, we've been doing the 2007 World Cup retrospective. Wait, have I been watching the wrong You've games? You've been watching the wrong games, yeah. Bro. Oh, is that why no one's been listening to me and no one likes me and like everybody isn't taking on board any of the points I'm making or the jokes or anything like that? Yeah. Because I'm watching the wrong games? Yeah. Okay, so I'm um, about like a really important it's why, question. It's why we've talked about Lawrence Lalio so much because he was England captain. True, he was. Um, it's the game that we're focusing on in this episode. By the way, my name's Will Owen. Hi. Is the game that we're focusing on in this episode France versus Tonga? Yes. Okay, okay, and I have this other, other very important question. Mm. France win, right? Um. Should we get on to that? Should we get on to that? France Because we have, for some reason today, in our World Cup retrospective on the 2007 Volleyball World Cup, decided that we're going to instead look at the 2011 Rugby World Cup. For the record, Robbie just made a really mainstream reference to an episode of the Rugby World Cup, Squidge Rugby World Cup retrospective podcast. And I believe that was our episode Italy, about Russia? Italy against Russia. Yeah. Um, so uh, that was a good, good reference, man. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm, when I'm I say that, I mean, it. I just said you, you, you said the word volleyball, which is <laughs> yeah. anytime anyone references volleyball, it's a reference. It's a callback to our podcast. <laughs> don't you Italy love, Russia. don't you love the bit in Top Gun when they reference our podcast? Oh, I know. That extended scene where it's just Tom Cruise talking about the lawyers in the Zoom call. <laughs> the insane bit of foreshadowing where not only does he predict that Italy and Russia are drawn in the same pool, yeah. but predicts that you do a successful YouTube channel yeah. and then start a podcast with your brother where you talk about rugby games nine years later than them and actually happening. Exactly. Because time isn't linear as well, it's not. we know... Tom Cruise was referencing this podcast in the 1980s film Top Gun rather than us referencing it being a callback to Top Gun. 
Like it's not yes. it's that way around. Like Tom, Tom Cruise understands time. It's like it's like the end of Arrival. Like Tom Cruise yeah. sees time from all directions at once, sure. uh, and is is simultaneously in the past and present and the future, and has a baby. And I've got to say, like the I love the amazing commitment to the bit from all of the people who actually like play volleyball yeah. around the world. Like you know the people who play Quidditch. Knowing yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a made-up sport, it's the same as that. Mate, Quidditch is great. Muggle Quidditch is great. <laughs> uh, I used to know someone when I was in uni who was in the like, the Team GB team that played in the European Quidditch. Wow. Like, like the, Euro- the Quidditch Euros. What a bunch of fucking nerds. I know, but it was great. Like, I, I almost volunteered to be the snitch one day when they were short. <laughs> Because the way I don't know if you've have you ever watched Muggle Quidditch? No, I haven't. But I love the thought of somebody walking into a room of Muggles and a load of people who've never played this this game before, <laughs> and just go, "Lads, we're short of snitch." <laughs> that was it. It's like in prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this guy was a Bath fan. I used to work with him, uh, so I talked to him sometimes about you know rugby. Yeah, I remember talking about like, the week to Lupe Falatau signed for them. Huh. But he also like he he stopped playing rugby and started playing Muggle Quidditch. He had been like a big ball carrying forward. He was like a second row six, I think. And what he went on to play. I know he went on to play Quidditch instead, and he ended up playing for Team GB in and Quidditch. Also, knowing like uni rugby lad cultures and yeah, stuff, yeah. I love the complete switch of culture yes. from you know morons who force you to you know eat poo or whatever go yes. through to just Jump yeah. Let's teeth. just yeah. Right, right. Okay, we've got um, a big uh, week of training. We're going to read. The Philosopher's Stone in its entirety <laughs> this week, Look, lads. We need a video analysis on how Draco Malfoy chased that snitch in Prisoner of Ad- No, he's not. He's not. When did he become the Seeker? No, it's the second one, isn't it? It's Chamber of Secrets, I think. I can't remember. I can't remember. It's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah, but it's no. So basically, right, you have two teams on either side, and then you have like both a referee, and you have another kind of match Are you talking about rugby? Both. Both. This happens okay. both. Yeah. So we have two okay. teams, right? You have a referee. Rugby, volleyball, and Quidditch. So in the case of this game, France v Tonga, which is one of the most iconic games of this World Cup, we spent five minutes talking about <laughs> anything else. In the case of this game, it was Steve Walsh. But you also oh, have another Steve person Walsh. who dresses up in all yellow as the snitch and has to run away. What? That's part of, of Muggle Quidditch. So, yeah. So you have a neutral player who is a, a snitch, right? And their job is like, they get like a 40 second head start before kickoff, before the game begins. And they have to run away and they can leave the play f- playing field. They can go anywhere they like. They can hide. They can like, it's like That's they're not incredible. allowed to use like motorized transports. Like they can't get on a bus or in a car. But oh. otherwise they can run wherever they like and the seekers have to chase them. And the moment they catch them, the game ends, you know. Have, and then... have you ever watched the Channel 4 show Hunted? Yeah, yeah, in yeah, bits, yeah. In bits, not like it's... you've watched all the way through. Yeah, yeah. It's, as you know, like, I'm a big fan of it. But, like, yeah. I imagine it's like that, and each team's head coach has, like, all the tracking on, like, the, the automatic yes. number plate recognition, and if they're using the phone to try and get a lift out the area, or yeah. anything like that. I imagine that's what the snitch in Muggle Quidditch has to do. <laughs> but that's it. That's what I thought being the snitch sounded like so much fun. Yeah. That's why I wanted to be the snitch. I, so I almost was, but then I think it clashed with something right. else, okay. and I couldn't do it. To segue, way. from... Mm. The players in the Rugby World Cup of 2011, which player would be the best at being the snitch? Oh, well, 2019, you picked Cheslin Colby. Yeah, he's also small. Shane Williams. But uh, if yeah. we discount Shane you Williams. Cheslin Colby in a yellow scrum cap, and he's basically there. 
Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I I can't help but think. Just, do you just have to make contact with the snitch? No. So they've got like a ball on their back, and you've got to rip it off them. It's right. it's like sort of velcroed on or something, or it's like dangling off a hat or something. Okay. Okay. So they've got to be dressed in all yellow, so they're visible, you know. But they've got to get like a thing you've got to pull off their clothes. Okay. Um, okay. So it's almost like tag rugby. I I quite fancy Corey Jane. That's a good shout. That's a good shout. The snitch handing mm. you off. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, you're not getting this, pal. Um, should we talk about volleyball? Yes. So, yeah. Tom Cruise. No, wait, uh, no, wait. Rugby. 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 Sorry. Okay. Yeah. So, the Rugby World Cup of 2011. Yes, that's the one. Yes. So, <laughs> we are today covering, as we couldn't remember how podcasts work, the, but we seem to be right into the swing of things. Yeah. The 2011, as I said, one of the most famous, one of the most iconic, one of the most, yeah. one of the best remembered games of yeah. this World Cup, or in fact any World Cup, Tonga's 1914 win over France. It's remarkable. This is actually the second time I've watched this game over lockdown. Yes. World Rugby released this game as like a live stream thing when mm. there was no rugby on over the summer last year. And I decided to watch it uh, because it was a game that I had very fond memories of. Mm. It was sort of just before we actually decided to go ahead with this podcast. I watched that yeah. with it in the back of my mind that I might need to watch it again at some point soon. But no, it really holds up. It's one of sort of the great upsets of a team not needing to do anything magnificent, just playing their own game really well, in Tonga's case. You say, yeah, I mean, you say really well. Do you mind if I begin with a bit of a bomb? Go on. A bit, a bit of a bombshell that people might have not realised when they remember this game, when they've watched this game back. No one seems to talk about this, but this game is an absolute dog show. What do you mean a dog show? Like, like I've never seen a match with so many passes to ground. Yeah. Like, both teams are terrible and it makes it so entertaining. No, I terrible's think... harsh. Terrible's harsh. Both teams are failing to execute whenever they try to pass the ball or kick the ball. Like, the amount of times Tonga found space in the French backfield. Right, yeah. Uh, I think that's correct. Because I think, firstly, the Tongan line speed and pressure and everything was outstanding. Yeah, yeah, Caused yeah. loads of missed passes and stuff on the French side. Tonga had a halfback combination of Taniela Moa and Kurt Marath, who wait, both, wait, in sorry, my Tanya, opinion... Taniela Moa was playing nine? Yes. I thought they just got the six the wrong way up. <laughs> so... They had a halfback combination of Tanya Lamoa and Kurt Marath, both of whom I think had excellent games. Yes. But they were still Tanya Lamoa and Kurt Marath, <laughs> yes. hence all of the passes to floor. Yeah. Like, there was a point about 10 minutes into the game where I noticed that Moa was, like, passing the ball end over end rather than spin passing it. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god, how is he getting away with this? And then, like, the game kept going on. I was like, oh my god, Moa's having a blinder. <laughs> it's so weird, isn't it? Because I kind of, I had this jotted down in my notes that if Daniel Moa was playing in the back row, he would have been man of the match. <laughs> but because he was <laughs> playing at scrum half, you kind of go, actually, the bits that are your job, you're not doing well, you're just doing everything else well. There is that point in the first half when uh, Sione Calamafoni makes a mm. bit of a break. And then on the next phase, Tanya Lamoa also makes a bit of a break, like yeah. an actual clean break. And then on the replay, they show it from the front on angle. So you can just see, you know, the slick back dreadlocks. And I think, oh, yeah, they're free showing Calamophony's yes. break. And he gets tackled. <laughs> you can see nine on his back. I did exactly the same thing. Because they had similar haircuts at this point, And they're, they're both big boys. Like, yeah. 
we talked about Tanya Mo on past episodes, who is just yeah. too big to be a scrum half. You know, he's not yeah. a Mike Phillips type. And he's he just the quite wrong think shape. Of the game as cleverly as a Carl Fotorelli or somebody like that. No, but he stinks of. You know that thing they'll say about Justin Tipperick of like, oh yeah, he should play centre just yeah. because he's a flanker with skills. Like clearly at a lower level. Someone said to him when he was he was a forward or maybe a crash ball centre, and someone said, oh, you could play scrum off, and he just ran with that. He just kept doing it. Can we just remember the fact that in the game against Canada, he started at 10 yes. in this World Cup? Yeah, which yeah. makes more sense. It makes more sense than him playing 9, yeah. I don't think it does. No, because... Him playing 10 makes sense. Because, because this is the World Cup. He was opposite Ander Munro, the Titanium 10. Oh, you've got a point. So, putting a titanium 10 against a 10 made of granite, you know, it's... I mean, let's look at the teams in this game on that point. Because you mentioned him playing at 10. France have uh, persisted (laughs) with a questionable option at 10. So, for the second game in a row, they've selected Morgan Parra, usually a scrum half, to play at 10. Because it went so well last time with him... Starting decently against the All Blacks yeah. and then kind of crumbling a little bit. Francois Tranduke comes off the bench and scores a totally illegal try uh, in that game. And they've just gone, yeah, you know what? Let's give it another go. Hopefully, if we persist with this experiment, we might be able to beat Tonga. It doesn't go well, does it? No. Like, Para has. It's not that he has a bad game, he just has a completely ineffective game. He's very like... neutral. Yeah, you notice when Tran Duke comes on in the last with about twelve minutes to go, how much shape France suddenly have. Yeah, suddenly they t- don't. Up until then, their attack looked like a rugby eight back line yeah. in that they all lined up. One would pass the next. They'd run sideways a bit, then they pass the next, hoping they yeah. draw someone in. And often that wasn't happening. You said the Tongan line speed was very good, and they actually drifted as well. You know, it was a well organized yeah. defense on top of being very yeah. aggressive, which obviously you always get with Tonga. Yeah. You can only imagine how infuriated Francois Chanduk was looking at this man playing in yeah. this position and thinking, yeah, yeah. like, that should be me. I should be bringing... Like, Maxime Mermoz, uh, there's, he is one of those players who I've not seen many people play off Chanduk better than he does. Yeah. And Chanduk's one of those fly halves who can just give him like a nice run at the defensive line, you know, um, mm. give him plenty of time to make a decision on the ball. And when Mermoz is going forward, he's a very classy player. Yeah. Rougery as well, like every touch he got of the ball in this game was positive and less, yet yeah. he didn't really manage to pick the right lines off Para because Para was sort of wobbling well, about most of the time. It was a highlights reel selection, wasn't it? It's one of those that people on Twitter make where instead of picking it on the nuts and bolts and fruit and nuts of the game to mix use of the word nuts, it was picked on, oh, he had a couple of nice moments. You know, he has a lovely yeah. blind pop pass he does to uh, Palisson. Uh, yeah. He has another nice half break he makes. He does that bit in the lead up to the Tonga try where he hacks the ball on to recover it to stop Tonga yeah. diving on it and dives it through. Yeah. You know, there's a handful of he nice does that lovely chip moments. to the corner. Yes. Uh, Hufanger ends up running it all the way out the 22. But uh, yes. he has a few really nice moments. And you can tell he's a really good player, is the thing. Yeah. You can but also tell he's not a fly half. Yeah, the moment that Tron Duke comes on, he doesn't have highlight real moments. He doesn't have no. moments that you post a gif of. Right. Yeah. He but doesn't care about actually, himself. Suddenly the French players are picking lines off him, you know, he's actually calling moves. Yeah. And also the almost it's maybe his second or third touch, he sticks the ball into the Tonga half, right? Yeah. And there's a moment during the Simbin period, which we'll, we'll get onto, I'm sure, they'd be like, Yeah. But whilst Tonga are down a man, they France then spends seven consecutive minutes in their own half. 
right? They don't get out of their half for seven minutes. Almost the entire Simbin period is gone. And by the time they regather the ball, it is up, you know, and, and they are back on. Right. And it's ridiculous. And then the moment France do kick for possession at the end of that to get into the opposite half, Lievemont in the coaching box is sighing and besides himself and looking angry with the decision. Yeah. And it's like, do you have, you haven't got a player to take control of it. And clearly the tactics are completely wrong. Yeah. Why isn't Tron Duke playing? Or why isn't a fly half playing? It's honestly baffling. So to touch on it, Suka, the brilliant Suka Hufanger mm. is sinbinned for a tackle where he crunches Vincent Clair on the end of an overlap. It's and the only time we'll see that kind of tackle on Vincent Clair by a team in red, yeah. isn't it? A player in red. Yeah. This World Cup, yeah. And he goes above the horizontal. And at the time, it was a questionable yellow card. People saying, was it penalty only? And to be fair, I think the yellow card is the correct decision because he yeah. does tip him over the horizontal. And, you know, you can't really argue too much with that. So Suka Hufanga, no, it... who was playing on the left wing, goes mm. to the Simbin. Yeah. Uh, just to mention it outright, rather than teasing it, it is on one of the replays, like an a shot-for-shot shot recreation. It's like the the, the, the remake of Psycho of the Sam Warburton tackle on Vance Clay. It's the same player falling in the same manner by a player in a similar coloured shirt, only you've obviously swapped Hufanga in for Sam Warburton. Yeah. It looks identical. And at the yeah. time, you know, Walsh begins to give it as a penalty. The commentators at the time that I had the Kiwi commentators on were complaining, yeah. like saying it's a harsh penalty, but I can, I can see it. Yeah. You know, whatever. And then he consults with the, the touch judge and weirdly, from the tone of the conversation, I thought they were saying penalty only. Yeah, he I thought back they were. To, he didn't back anyone and... mention he had a card. No. He says, like, does it need to be more serious? And they both go, yeah, I think it's a penalty only. Then he goes back to Hufanger and says, so I've talked to my touch judge and I'm really reluctant to give this, but he dobbed me in. It's going to have to be a yellow card. And he gets out, like, a little square bit of card that looks like it disintegrates in the rain. Like, he... I don't know if it's like Nigel Owens the other week and he forgot his yellow card and he just grabbed yeah. a yellow thing nearby. Like he cut out a bit of the yellow pages. And so that'll do. Just a little knife he had on him. Yeah, and then he bins him for that. Steve, you've not got the cards. Oh, fetch me that rubber duck from my bag. Yeah, <laughs> yes. He just pulls it out. He's got it in his shorts the whole time. Is that a rubber duck in your pocket, Steve? Or are you just happy to see me? <sighs> oh, Steve. Speaking of Steve Walsh and innuendos, I want to play you a clip of the commentary back. Okay. I am baffled as to what the commentator is saying here. You heard that right? You heard that? Okay. Would you like to just repeat that for anybody? Let's just let's just play it again. Yeah, from a couple of seconds in, because the two commentators are talking over each other. Because one of them wants to really say this. Brett Murray was this player. He's been injured. He was a player fingered by Steve Walsh on that occasion. Jean Baptiste Pooks, who has. There's definitely nothing else he could be saying there. He definitely says, <laughs> referring to Jean Baptiste Poop, which he he skims around saying as well. He is the player. Fingered by Steve Walsh on that occasion, which implies there were other occasions when it was other players <laughs> who he was fingering. And the thing is, it's Steve. Yeah, I'm jealous of them all, and yeah. I don't blame him at all. No, of course, of course. I wish Steve Walsh would come here. Keep going. Finish it. Finish it. Finger me. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was hoping you'd say. I hope that what you've done there is edited together a load of uh, different clips of things the commentator said just to try and make me say that utterance. (laughs) Nope, that was a real clip. 
I'm assuming he meant he pointed at him. Yeah, I, I imagine so. But I don't know if they just don't have that terminology in New Zealand. I don't know if there's any Kiwis out there that can confirm. I don't know. Do I want to know? I don't know. I don't know. Let's let's leave it. Let's leave it. <laughs> let's, let's leave it at that. This is going to become more uncomfortable the more we talk about it. Sure. So yeah, Suku Fang goes to the bin. Mm. Tong would just think, easy fix, let's just drop more after the backfield and yeah, yeah. we'll cover that easily. And France, honestly, I think they went into half time two minutes after Hufang went to the bin. I think when they came out, they'd forgotten that they were a man up. Yeah. Because they didn't, there was no sense of urgency or anything to, to try and score, take advantage of this, try and work it wide, kick him behind, anything. I genuinely think they might have forgotten that they're a man up. And a winger is weirdly, especially back in 2011, before teams have got entirely used to defending ball positions gone, apart from maybe nine. Yeah. Or defending, attacking, whatever. Winger was a really difficult position to lose in these days. You yeah. can adapt to losing a forward quite easily, because you can kind of, yeah. others can slot in around. But you had to fundamentally change how your backfield worked and how your defence worked in order to adapt yeah. to losing a winger. Which Tonga did very well. Yeah. Yeah, Tonga did. And France didn't do anything to try and put them under pressure. You know, yeah. they didn't kick, they kicked the ball once for possession. No, for, sorry, position rather than possession. Yeah. In that period, just the once. And it wasn't a particularly great kick, but at least no. it found some space and they managed to get into the opposition half. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of Fufanga, the sort of the first half of the match kind of went that the teams were exchanging penalties. France mm. ended up going 6-3 up. And then 25 minutes in, Taniela Moa makes this break down the sideline and Kurt Marath cross-kicks the ball to Hufanga, who is only marked by Julian Bonaire. And it is a phenomenal finish by Hufanga. And it is yeah. one of these really famous tries. I say famous, it's not like it's remembered worldwide, but you do see it shared on World Rugby's Facebook page from time to time and stuff. Yeah, It's one of those that comes back up. But it just feels like a really iconic try. Yeah, it's the one try from an iconic match. Yeah. Marath's cross kick doesn't really get sort of the praise it deserves, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a great option as well. As you yeah. say, it's that kind of classic, they've just made a break, France haven't reorganised properly. I think there's another phase after that because Tonga loved to pick and go. Yeah. And then Marath is screaming for it, you know, and he, he spots the space. You, Julian Bonaire, when you see it from the reverse angle, is covering so much space on his own. Yeah. He's probably got like 30 metres from the touchline. There's it's- just him. It's very difficult to make that cover tackle that Bonaire's trying to make. Yeah. Uh, Murray Mexer on the commentary, after saying that somebody was fingered by Steve Walsh, uh, <laughs> says that it was very average defence by Bonaire. I don't actually agree with that. I think that it's kind of like a rock, paper, scissors kind of a scenario where Bonaire goes for a certain type of tackle, Hufanga goes for a certain type of bounce off the tackle. Yes. Bonaire's trying to like scrag him into touch and Hufanga's like ready to bounce him like he's going to try and smash him. And it doesn't quite go together. Yeah. Yeah. And Hufanga managed to wriggle over. I think Bonaire does the correct thing in that he goes very high considering he is slower than the man he's against. The man against him has space on him. You know, he's having to cover a lot of ground to get to him. And he's only really checked by having to slow down to catch the ball. Yeah. And Bonaire probably makes the right decision in going high and trying to smash him into touch. Mm. Yeah, I think it is the correct thing. He could have gone around the waist and you want him to down. smash him. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to smother him. You want to smash him. Yeah. Uh, in that scenario, exactly, or scrag him. You know, it's kind of you want to yeah. properly hit him. That should be a little game, smash, scrag, or smother. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so it's the sweeping the nation. So yeah, so Bonaire goes for quite a high up tackle. You know, trying to hit him sort of upper chest area. Yeah, and he goes with the handoff, 
and yeah. it falls. And Bonaire is really unlucky. I think he actually does quite well to cover as much ground and keep it in the corner and make it as difficult a finish it's, as it it's was. It's a remarkable finish from Hugo. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's excellent. And it's it's kind of his trademark being a really strong winger who can just create... You know how they say that Bill McLaren's thing about you could sidestep a man in a telephone box? Yes. It's kind of like the inverse of that. That Suka Hufanga, mm. like, if you put him in a five-metre channel, he will fend somebody off and score. Like, yeah. In a really difficult channel. Uh, he and will that knock kind of the trademark. out of the box. He will smash all the glass panels. Yeah. And dial up... Uh, 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 dial up uh, internet connection, so the phone goes down. Internet connection, yeah. Yeah. Through a phone box, yeah. Sure. Thanks for yeah. finishing my joke there. That was that's, good, that's all right. Good I finished it like high five. Oh, we did a high five of a Zoom. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. It's much like the one Tom Francis was no doubt doing in the Osprey's promo video this morning. Yeah, uh, yeah. as of recording it. Yeah, just as a note there, just like in that video, I don't know if anyone's seen the Osprey's announcement video from them announcing the signing for Tom Francis. It's presented as a Zoom call where Toby Booth is introducing the new signing. Then Tom Francis pops up in the call and goes, "It's me, boys." <laughs> It's a me. <laughs> but the call, he, Booth is addressing it as being to the entire squad. When in fact, it is to Scott Otten and Kieran Williams. Kieran Williams, incidentally, you've seen, you have you just watched it. Yes, just I just watched it just before we recorded. Kieran Williams is massively overacting. And I love that. He's massively going, huh? 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 He's just pulling all the faces he can pull. What? Tom Francis? <laughs> He's, it reminds me of there's a Liam Neeson <clears throat> film called A Walk Amongst the Tombstones which I have forgotten everything about apart from there's one scene there's like a flashback to like I think like when the criminal character is younger or something and he's fa- he's hidden something in a bin and there's a scene where he goes back and opens the bin and there's this extra and his only real role in the film is to walk up to the bin and open the bin and he massively overacts it and he sort of he walks up to the bin in that massive swagger like throws open and he goes Whoa! Starts waving his arms about and pulling like eighteen different faces, and I found it very funny in what is otherwise quite a dull thriller. Um, so Kieran Williams, right, overacting and so on. But the other thing in that call, they've only got two players in to do it, and then you have just it says Justin Tipperick, Alan Wynne Jones, Matt Provro, as though their cameras are off, as though they're on audio only. Yeah, when I don't know why they picked Prothero. I guess just because he got man of the match last weekend, didn't he? Yeah. So they just kind of went, well, that's where the kids are into, isn't it? But I, I wanted to mention that, because we haven't introduced him as our guest, Matt Prothero is on this oh, yeah, yeah, as well, is, yeah. but just his camera's off and his mic's yeah. off as well. Yeah. Because he, he loves Carly Rae Jepsen. So I'm telling you, in this it. call, it says Matt Prothero at the It says top. Matt Prothero. Take a screenshot now, and we can put it in. Yeah, I've, I've um, already t- I already talked about when you're doing that funny yeah. face. Uh, oh, right, okay. So yeah, we yeah. can drop Matt Prothero in and prove that Matt Prothero is on this call. Um, yeah. Because he is. He is. Yeah, he is. He is. I'm glad he's well. By the way, Matt, you're playing really well for the Ospreys, and I hope you keep it up. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're doing good, man. Yeah, you're doing good. Yeah, I'm better on the wing. I hope we get to see more of you there. Yeah. Well, yeah. stick to either. Stick to wherever you're yeah, stick. Stick to either. But... I mean, you're, you're playing yeah. well in both. Uh, yeah. Playing at fullback, though. But I hope we get to see more of you at fullback. You suck on the wing. Just kidding. You're good on the wing. That was just... So Hufang is finishing in the corner. Yeah. So Maraf's conversion that... is very okay. excellent as well. Yes, it is. Kick, it touchline is. conversion. Yeah. And it's kind of one of those kicks I didn't expect Maraf to get. But inexplicably, no, it's... it sometimes gets. No, 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 no. That's exactly the kick Kurt Maraf will get. Kurt Maraf was the kind of player who would be excellent for like a few minutes at a time. Right? Yeah, I guess like, so. Kurt Marath would have a burst of being brilliant when you needed it most. Yeah. That was kind of his worth as a player, as he knew when to okay. perform. 
No, uh, and he would then disappear for long stretches of the game and you wouldn't know he was there. But then he'd put in two really excellent kicks and he'd nail a touchline conversion mm. as he did in this period here. And suddenly he's a man of bad contention, yeah. having not done anything or having done actively bad kicks the rest of the game. Yeah. Because he was just sort of... He was... <laughs> he, he was... Okay, like if Stephen Myler is a well-made... To keep on the Ospreys theme, sorry. Sure. If he's like a well-made Sunday dinner, right? Kurt Morath was like instant mashed potato. (laughs) In his cheap, he appears there just on his own. And it's really good for like a bit, but it's not high in sustenance, you know. It's not made with love or care. (laughs) I don't know where this is going. I apologise. We Have you just accused Kurt Morath's parents of not loving him? (laughs) No! You just said he wasn't made with love or care. <laughs> that was not what I meant. <laughs> but I realise now it was what I said. <laughs> I feel like... So firstly... That's not what I'm saying at all, yeah. I just accused, lost the metaphor. Well, we've collectively not accused, but uncovered the fact that 2CPC is a Martian gambler with an inside bet yes. on all the money in the world. Yes. And Kurt Morath's parents <laughs> conceived him as a bit. <laughs> it was just a joke. It was just a joke. Like, what we had a kid's a joke. Have you got and any dirt on Lovin' Yarny or Nicky Little to complete no, but we the trio also, of we also know South Seas by Flyers. association that Stephen Myler was brought up with a lot of love and care. That his father, who of course played rugby league professionally, um, loved his mum. Okay, cool. <laughs> Thanks for that. Speaking of people whose mothers loved them, uh, uh, after... what? Well, not you then? <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, not true. Man. That's not true. For some reason, she loves you very much, <laughs> and annoyingly not as much as you. Well, I, that's I say not annoyingly. true. No, it, it makes true. sense. Like you've got uh, a very stable. Um, platform on the internet and you're doing very well with your your job um, <laughs> I love is directly proportional to Twitter followers <laughs> unfortunately this is the way the world is now so after the Hufanga try France mm. have a bit of a counter attack with Tonga having sort of booted the ball to them and as you said you mentioned earlier there's this point where Parra does this lovely little blind pass to Palisson who steps yes. out the way of a man and they get into the 22 and have you noticed what Finel Maka does from that resulting ruck yes! one metre out from his try line this is like the most obvious thing the only bit you can read in my notes is in massive all caps how is Maka not in the bin honestly it's one of those professional ca- Steve professional Law's fouls. in full effect yeah, it's one of these professional fouls where you think, could you give a red for that? I mean, it's obviously not exactly, a red card offence, yeah. but it's that much of a yellow like, that you want to so... just say, no, have 20 minutes instead. Because like, there's a deliberate knock-on in the second half, which should have been a yellow card, but it was only given the penalty, yes. right? Grand, whatever, you know, that should have been a yellow card. That was a yellow card, but it was like yeah. a proper yellow card. Like, yeah. He properly deliberately knocks it on to kill a try opportunity, right? Whereas Mackers is the most cynical bit of... Of, of cheating. You'll see all World Cup. I think it might be the most cynical professional battle. Yeah. So France have all of the momentum. And yeah, literally, so... if they pick the ball up from that resulting ruck, they will score because the Tonga yeah. defence just is not in play. Maka comes from the complete wrong side, lies off his feet, and just wrestles the ball away to try and slow yeah. it down as he much as possible. He just starts sort of flailing his arms. Like, he, yeah. he blocks the clear out getting in the way. He's kind of pulling them off out of the way on the ground. From an illegal He position. stops, yeah, oh yeah, lying on top of the ball. Uh, he starts fiddling for that when the scrum half goes for it. Like, he waits until whoever's coming in at nine, I assume it was Ashville, yeah. is going in to, to play the ball. 
And instead, he's trying to rip it away from him. He commits about every possible offence you could there. And yeah. it's only a penalty? Then the and ball like, squirts what? out and he dives out from an assault The position. worst thing is, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, as well, yeah. Steve Walsh, right, doesn't want to give it as a penalty. He doesn't play advantage or anything. It's the touch judge. Then steps in and goes, oh, yeah, there was an offence there. It's like, no shit. Yeah, <laughs> there, there was 16. And they were all committed by number seven. Yeah, have a think about this, Steve. <laughs> but, like... He commits, like, four yellow card offences, right? He should have been off for 40 minutes. Yeah. He should have had to serve 10 minutes for each of them. I think, I think there's something in this rule. I think that World Rugby should think about this as a possible yeah. thing. Because I've thought about this before. Remember Martin Williams is basically in the Grand Slam game out in Ireland. Yeah. Rob Carney is... Yes, uh, Rob, no, Jamie Heaslip makes a break and yeah. Rob Carney's running up to support him. And if Heaslip fixes his man and gives it to Carney, Ireland would win the tie, win the match. Like, that, and it's as simple as that. Like, they would score the try and they would win the match. Uh, so There's Martin about Williams. Three minutes to go. There's, there's yes. like 10 minutes. Yeah. Martin Williams spots Rob Carney's peripheral vision, knows that he's quicker than him, and just swing, swings his leg out and just boots him to just leg him up. Uh, he obviously gets a yellow card for it from yeah. Wayne Barnes. And I kind of look back at that and think. A, Martin Williams is a hero because he saved us by yeah. like doing, a, I guess it was semi-dangerous, but it was the most professional foul you'll ever see. Yes. Um, because he trips a man up very deliberately, using his leg to not take any chances, and stops Rob Carney from scoring a try. He, and he you knows think, exactly what he's doing. be a red card? You can't yeah. give Yeah, you can't give a penalty try for it. him being on the field out. for 10 minutes yeah. for the sake of but the, saving this try. The chance is about 30 metres out. So you can't give a penalty try. It's not clear enough. Yeah. There's still cover. Uh, Martin Williams knows exactly what he's doing. I love it as a moment. Yeah, I love uh, it. And that was his worth as a player. Yeah, you know, that absolutely. was what he did. Like, he was not the build of a modern flanker. It was, it was such a calculated so penalty to give yeah. away. Because he's looked at that. He's weighed up his options. He's gone, there's no way I'm catching Carney. Yeah. So, as I say, and he's he boots him in the leg and knocks him over. He's effectively already jogging to the sideline before Wayne yeah. Barnes can think about it. Because he's like, yeah, I know that's a yellow card. Yeah, I've booted him up. I'll go off now. Cheers. My other favourite nugget moment is in the game against the All Blacks, where he deliberately goes and stands in the way of the only camera that can show the ball's yes. grounded. Yes. Conrad Smith had scored, and he walks up, like he sees the rookie, turns, looks at the camera, and goes and stands in the way of it, so you can't see anything. I love Nugget, and I miss him. He's he's so good. So yeah, so what we're we saying, oh Maka, yeah, who should be in the bin, but inexplicably isn't. Yeah. France then continue to kind of batter away at the line and go for the corner, and they just don't. Because as you said, they had so much momentum in that first that first sort of set of phases after that break, and then it's just not there afterwards. You know, no. they're just sort of and you know until eventually one of the forwards knocks it on. Yeah, uh, after they've kind of lost fifteen meters. Yeah, is that the one where Barcelona gets done for double movement? Yes, phase. sorry, no, it's Servat. Servat gets done for Sorry, yes, that's what happens. Yeah, and that's an entirely fair penalty. And it's one yeah. of those where he grounds the ball and Steve Walsh puts his arm up and all the French yeah. players start celebrating. But it's actually he's given a penalty to Tonga. Um, yes. And then they all start t- celebrating more and rubbing in the face of the French players. So Tonga go in at half-time ahead, 13-6, I believe the score is. Yeah. And France, as I say, come out not knowing they're a man up. <laughs> And not, they don't really look like they have the whole, yeah, let's go out, you know, we're in trouble here, lads. They look like a team who is, like like Wales was the end of Gatland, 
Mm. Where it's just sort of like, it doesn't matter that we're down. We're going to clinch this victory. Sure. But they just aren't good enough to back that attitude up. <laughs> yeah. Because they don't seem to be approaching this in the way they approached the Japan and Canada games. No. Which was, we're going to have a chuck about and we're, we're going to... We will eventually batter them. Exactly. That's it. It's <laughs> We're going to concede quite a few tries. Don't worry about that. Because we're going to score 16 in the last 10 minutes. Yeah. Right? Pascal Pape is going to score a worldie from 70 metres. Yeah. And we're going to be golden. Right? Lacafia is somehow going to do a chip over the top, offload it at the back of his hand to do Calcon, who's going to run it in from halfway. All will be fine. I can't keep this any longer. Raphael Lacafia was absolute dog shit. <laughs> right. What an interesting performance by him. Because he carried really well. Yeah. Everything else in the world he was not good at. No. He dropped the ball under zero pressure, like yeah. no pressure at all. There was a kick that they sent to him and start of the first half of the Yeah. That was it. That was the start of kind of Tonga getting their first bit of momentum. That was yeah. the start of kind of showing France a fallible. There's another point where he comes in at sort of the scrum half position. Bear in France already yes. have two scrum halves. And he spots a pod of forwards and he, he kind of sits, sits up like, yeah, I'm going to pass to these guys. And instead, he picks the ball up and just flings it into the middle of the field where all of the Tongan players are stood. He's like, yeah, we'll pass to them instead. And I don't know why he skipped. Like, he missed out this pod of French forwards by about half a mile. Yeah. And so the ball bounces over the top and two Tonga players are running up to try and dive on it. I think it's Pietau and one of the forwards, yeah. maybe Maka. And seeing that, Para goes, I've got two options here. Either I can dive on it first because it is slightly close to me and I will be hurt and possibly turned over. So he just hacks it. He just boots the ball as hard as he can into the Tongan backfield from where <laughs> it's regathered and then given to Marfu, who just busts right through. Yeah. Just breaks right through and that leads eventually to the... The, the try. Yeah. The final thing of Lacafia, and mm. I'll level with you, he might get dick of the day for this. I will decide later. I've I've reached a point where I was just decide when I'm recording rather than choosing sure, sure. beforehand. But the biggest dickish move that Lacafia does is that Parrot has called this pre-planned back play with two of his other backs. So I think it might be yeah. Mare Moz and maybe Rougerie. Mm-hmm. But basically the plan is that he's going to loop round one player and then feed an inside ball back through to Rougerie. Mm-hmm. So he does that, he gets the ball, he runs around to the other side of Mare Moz and before this Raphael Lacafia had stepped in at scrum half to pass to Para. And then as Para is about to pass the ball to Rougerie Lacafia has gotten completely lost amongst this backline move and just intercepted the pass that was going to send Rougerie through a gap. And so instead, Lacafia catches it and starts running backwards. <laughs> but Lacafia is because he's the thing about him, right? Is he was always involved. Yeah, you know, the game barely went, especially when France had the ball. You didn't really go twenty or thirty seconds without seeing him somewhere, yeah. right? And whenever all he had to do was carry it straight into some big lads. Grand. Perfect. Sorted. However, whenever he had to do anything else in the world, no, it fell apart. He couldn't pass. He couldn't offload. He couldn't run forwards if he was given time to think about it. He couldn't catch. He couldn't... Certainly couldn't take high balls. I honestly don't get it. Like, I've rarely seen 
in two players that should be similar, such a contrast mm. in two players with the same genes between Raphael Lacafia and his brother Pierre Gilles Lacafia, who is of course a France sevens legend, yeah, like incredibly good passer of the ball, could kick, could catch, could run. He was like so good at, and then like his brother's just here playing in the World Cup and just going catching a ball. Nah, don't fancy it. Like, how is there such a contrast between two players who have the same genes? Like that song well, by the view. They just divvied them up. They just went, you get all the skills, I'll get the being big and carrying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like the Jack Willis, Tom Willis thing. Of mm. When they're in the garden every day after school. Uh, what, you know, Tom would carry Tom and carry, Jack would jackal. Yeah. Jack would jackal. And just because they did that all day every day, they've become that sort of player. Yeah. Respect to them for it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's just like that, that one of them had the ball the whole time and occasionally they just gave it to his brother and he just went, no, and just ran yeah. straight into him. I don't know, but it's it's very confusing. I seem to remember Rafael Lukafia being a better player than this, but he was not good in this game. No. And so France get into that second half, right? And we can see nothing is working. As we said, their backline looks like a rugby weight move. Their scrum has about parity. Then Taumalolo comes on for Tonga Wee at the start yeah. of the second half. And actually makes a difference. And even though it changes and, towards the end of the scrum, end of the yeah. game, Tongawea fully emptied the tank as well. Like, oh yeah, yeah. But the very the very first kick off of the second half, Tongawea steals it from on the French from Bonaire, yeah. who jumps for the ball, and he batters into about three or four French French players and really just knocks the spray out of them. And he looks knackered when they cut to him yeah. just after he's gone off. Yeah, yeah. and Tongawea makes a difference. And actually, the scrum goes better with him on for a bit. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. But I've completely forgotten the point I was about to make. Was it oh, no, about... no, so yes, no, sorry, yes. So the scrum isn't going great anymore. Uh, the back line d- isn't working at all. You've got a scrum off at 10. That is a disaster still, and nothing is changing. And yet, tactically, they're all wrong. Nothing is working for France whatsoever. They're just about hanging on, because Yashvili's playing really well, as ever. And so they're just about keeping in it, and you know set pieces efficient enough that they're, they've yeah. still got the ball. So they're not completely out of touch, but they're playing very badly, yeah. right? And you can say Mark Lievemon in the coach's box, who has grown a moustache since the last game as well, so good for him. <laughs> it's just kind of coming through. It's not like a big one, but there's like a pronounced, you can see the moustache yeah. now, it's visible. Um, that's clearly what he spent his week on. He hasn't fought through taxi, he hasn't fought through anything, right? And he clearly figured we're just going to do exactly the same as we did against Canada and Japan in that we'll eventually start scoring tries. And that doesn't begin to happen. So he clearly looks at it and goes, okay, we need to change something, right? And his assistant coach are turning to him, bloody dare from Yorkshire, is turning to him, right. there, 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 Mark, we need to change something. And he goes, we put Aaron Ordecke on. And it's like everyone just goes, yeah, they'll do it. I think you've got it. Good idea. By Jove, he's got it. <laughs> and so you can see this sort of, they cut the coach's box just as Aaron Ordecke's coming on and they all look relieved like they've just won the game. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, that's it. We've done it. We've done it. We cracked it. We worked out how to win this thing. It's like, no, there's more to it than putting one. You had Thierry Doucement, Julian Bonaire starting. You... They also didn't quite realise you also have to pass to Aaron Ordecke. Yeah, so he gets the ball like twice. And, and he makes a break on both occasions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he's just sort of left there in the middle like some some random Basque island just left in the middle of a, a, an ocean. Yeah. There's one point just before Aronaldi comes on as well where Maxi Meadow makes his break and mm. you alluded to this earlier. He passes to Morgan Parra 
and Para then makes a pass, which is intercepted kind of by Tanya Lamo, who's definitely batting the ball up to get away with the fact it's yes. a very deliberate knock-on. However, he gets away with a yellow card for this because somebody else did even more of a yellow card offence <laughs> further up the field, which mm. was Sona Tamalolo fresh onto the field, just after Maxi Medov passes the ball, just fully drops his shoulder into him. Yeah. It's really dumb by Tamalolo and yeah, very it, dangerous, to be honest. It's silly, but then this yeah. is kind of... The th- this Tonga team's MO, you know. Yeah. And this, <laughs> I had this thought. This is a separate point. I don't want to kind of change the subject too much. But sure. We wouldn't do that on this podcast. No, I, I, I'd hate that. We should talk about Michael Quidditch again, though. Yeah, agreed, man. It feels harsh that Samoa didn't get a win over a tier one nation and this Tonga team did in this World Cup. Mm, yeah, because absolutely. that Samoa team was so, so, so much better than Tonga. They were really well thought out. I don't know right, this is still a good Tonga team. I still like yeah. the Tonga team. And frankly, we've not had a better Tonga yeah. team since this. No, um, no, no, yeah, and I'm not arguing that. It's a no. it's a good Tonga team, but it's a really good Samoa. It's a Samoa team who are tier one standard. Yes, Whereas oh, yeah, this they is were, a, that was a tier one team, that Samoa yeah. team, like, as far as I'm concerned. But this, this is Tonga a tier team, two, it's a good tier two team. Yeah, they're very, very good at channeling their aggression. Yes. Bar the odd moment like yeah. this one from Tamalolo. And that was sort of where they won this game, was, yeah. you know, if France dared make a line break against them, they would just go, yeah, but what if we just smash you back 10 yards, you know? Yes. Uh, what about, yeah. here's my friend the touchline, how about you go battering over there and over the advertising hoardings while we're there, you know? And that's what Tonga were very good at, and they, they used mm. that to their advantage. But yeah, no, Tamalolo slightly stepped over the line in this instance. Yeah, and it's a shame. But he kind of gets away with just a penalty and a warning. Yeah. But, you know, He gets a ticking off from Steve, which really is is a positive. So I don't know why he's rewarded true. for it's it. True. He gets a chat to Steve one-on-one one one for a bit. Steve Walsh. <laughs> yeah, Steve Walsh fingers him. Oh, the also, other thing we didn't mention about the kickoff from half-time, though, right? Because yeah. presumably Mark Lievemon at half-time came in and told them, don't worry, lads, we're just going to... He said exactly this word for word. He said, don't worry, lads. And they all went, eh? We're in New Zealand. We speak French now. Yes. And, you know, told them not to panic and just be calm. Just, as you said, that kind of thing about the, the Gatland Wales of just being calm and going about it. Sure. And eventually they'll crack, as they have in the previous games against Tier 2 teams. And the way France celebrate that, the first thing they do from the kickoff is Julien Bonnet is lifted to take it. And he just, like, he doesn't just drop it. He just kind of flings it. He kind of bats yeah. it forward volleyball style. Like he's Tom Cruise oh, into Sona Tamalolo. No, sorry, Tonga Weir. Tonga Weir, yeah. Yeah. It's daft. It is. There is something marvellous about watching really world-class players be made to look really stupid in this game, isn't there? Yeah. Because, like, we don't see that much of Doucetoir in this game. Uh, no, his standards. No, you yeah, know, you Bonner forget who's on the field. Yeah, like William Servat wasn't outstanding, was he? I thought he means. was of that kind of iconic French pack, right? He is the one that stands out most. Yeah, um, hmm, I don't really. I'll tell you what, right? I well, Aaron notice... is. Let's be honest. Oh, yeah, okay. When he comes on, yeah, I didn't notice that Deuce was on the pitch, but he was the top tackler in the game. Oh, was he? Okay, fair <laughs> enough. He I made thirteen tackles, zero missed, one penalty conceded. Okay, fair enough. One turnover. Um. So we get to the point, 54 minutes into the game, something really hectic happens. So Maxime Moz makes this clean break where he just decides, <laughs> I might score, lads. I might score. And then instead he goes, actually, don't fancy scoring. And he just passes back inside to no one. Nobody. Um, <laughs> so Moa ends up with the ball and suddenly does this whole thing. But like, like, no, so he has, 
It's a bit like the Kafia pass you mentioned. He has found some clear, like, really tight on his shoulder to kind of take, like, a little, like, yeah. like three or four meter pop, you know. And he kind of spots him and he goes, Wahey! <laughs> and checks them all the way over his head to nobody. Like he's playing volleyball. Exactly. He's aiming for the ground. So Moa gets the ball and just decides, you know what, lads? I might just turn into Waisali Sarevi. Um... <laughs> And he just hitchhiked around one guy, does this lovely out-the-back offload to Vungalila, who also does this out-the-back offload. And suddenly, Viliami Yongi's having a run down the wing, and Viliami Matafil, of all people, does this really nice chip forward into the French 22. Yes. At which point, Vincent Clair goes down, and somehow he has five Tongan players all just sitting on him, and he still manages to get away with it, and like he still manages to legally get out of his 22. I, I think Clair does phenomenally well there. It's insane! Like it's as you say, he he managed to stay on his feet for long enough to support to get back. Yeah. When he has three Tongans like with their arms around him and two more coming in, yeah, to kind of try and hit him because there's, there's one French player and five Tongans in that twenty-two at that yeah. point, and Claire just stays on his feet. He just stays on his feet for long yeah. enough so he doesn't get turned over, to and France second. somehow yeah. just about get away with it. Yeah, and then Yash really pops this kick over the top. From oh, Edo, mate, which mate, nearly this is, works. This is let's let's talk about this because this yeah. is one of my favorite moments in the game. This is maybe my favorite moment from the game because it sums France up so well. I want to preface this as well. There was a moment in the first half where Moa and Hufanga had this pre-called chip kick move. Yes, where Hufanga found himself just in front of Moa, so he got penalised for offside in the end. You say but it just? Was, yeah, he was three or four meters offside. Yeah, but. It was such a perfectly weighted chip by Moa, yeah. uh, where he box kicks it into centre field, sort of over his head behind him for Hufanga to chase. And yeah. if Hufanga was onside, I genuinely think he would have got there first and maybe even scored. But it's, he was offside. You know, it's one of those calls to go your way. I wonder if we're going to see more of, and I'd like to see more of. And it reminds me of a conversation I think we had, was it last week? We, and I think we, we had a conversation yeah, about... about multiple phase moves which which have a box kick somewhere in them or a chip for space yeah. somewhere in them yeah. and that potential of having a pod where in that pod you have someone like a Hoskins or Tutu yeah. uh, or an Alfie Barbary or whoever like a, a forward who can kick yeah, uh, who can stab one through for a, a forward in behind who's covering yeah. because no one will expect that and that happened in the Curry Cup this weekend I was going to say I watched this with um did did this really nice bit of analysis on Twitter I saw about right. this uh, where it was the Pumas Curry Cup at the team, I think it was. I don't watch the Curry Cup, I'm afraid. So basically they'd set it up so they had a pod of three forwards to carry off 10 and instead yeah. he kicks it in behind because they're just defending, right, let's get a flat yeah. line up and smash him. And I can't remember if that did happen in the Premiership or just I was thinking about it when watching the Premiership earlier that day Yeah, because we'd had a similar conversation. I was thinking, why don't we see that? Why don't we see... We have had this out? conversation, yeah. Yeah. When watching and I was thinking Premier. about that that day and little did I know, psychically... It was happening somewhere in South Africa at the very yeah. same time, yeah. probably to the minute. As I was man, watching no one else is as interested Bristol. in this as we are, are they? <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. I think there's a there's a core audience of people that aren't. I was, the other thing I was thinking, right? As I was watching, I think it was the Quinns London Irish game. It was a you know a good game, twenty seven all. Paddy Jackson is a nonce, and I hate him. Yeah, there's my summary of that match. But yeah, so I was thinking, it's mad. That an average audience of people that watch the Premiership every single weekend, right, and have watched it for however long, right? I'm not talking about the, av- the, the sort of casual audience who watches the Six Nations and maybe the odd European Cup game. The core rugby audience, most of them still don't know what a 1331 is. Yeah. That's it's... an insane failure of punditry. It is, it is. That we're like six years into this being a thing, you know, yeah. this being a, 
like a major thing that almost every team does. Yeah. And the average and reviewer wouldn't know what to it means. Acknowledge it. Yeah. No, it, yeah. it really baffles me because that you do get a handful of pundits and it doesn't always correlate with who the best players are. Just people who have played yeah. at a good level or coached at a good level or have an understanding of this who often do sort of understand that and do actually try and communicate it. Uh, yeah. I think Sam Warburton's great at it, at sort yes. of explaining that kind of thing. Nolly Waterman's somebody I've singled out a few times oh, yeah. as being She's great, great at analysing that kind of a thing. And there are very few pundits in the world who talk about it and it really winds me up. That and it's the, not yeah. it's not as difficult to understand as it sounds, you know? Yeah. And when I was first kind of... When I was first introduced to it as an idea, you know, when I first kind of came across it as a thing, it takes two minutes to get your head around it, you know? Yeah. You you kind of click on oh that's what it's doing and like yeah. I think you know I the video I did on Italy Island and the Six Nations I think without wanting to bang my own drum like I think I explained it really clearly in that mm-hmm. and that felt like to me like because I've tried to explain it a lot and I felt yeah. like actually I got it right in that one you know that was the yeah. way I explained it best but it just feels like it's such an obvious part of the game yeah that people should be watching at home and looking for variations on it it's like if if football weren't explaining formations you know. If, and it's not quite to that degree. No, no, no. But it's, it's not. It's not that simple. But it is still simple. There's something that uh, we had a conversation this weekend about on the, on the Cardiff Blues Scarlets game, hmm. where a certain commentator on Premier Sports, who I'm sure. I shall, who shall remain nameless, said, "Oh, uh, Thomas Williams needs to start sniping more around yes. the breakdown." And it's like, no, 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 nobody's incorporated sniping into their game plan. I mean, if the space is there, then snipe, and then you work back to yeah. your game plan from there. But, but teams haven't been doing that for the last five years. They've not incorporated that, that to be a part of their game plan for the last five years. From Aside way- from, like, Australia's 2019 World Cup team, I think, did have that as part of it. I think, mate, did you point out the French women's team from this year? They did a bit, yeah. yeah there was someone else well. as well that I thought of who yeah. worked with that. Oh, no, um, South Africa under, because it. Yes, uh, we're very built on shy, sniping. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. They were kind of the exception that proves the rule. Yeah, yeah. But in a lot of cases, especially you look at the way Cardiff Blues were playing, it's an active hindrance to have the nine picking up and yeah. sniping all the time because you've got to then refine your shape. Exactly, and it's then built on that first receiver being likely a front row forward or a tight by forward anyway. Yeah, just them being the first receiver and them doing the kind of sniping role. Yeah. The impasse you would have thought it'd be a scrum off, and it's easy to sniff out from the base. That's moved on to being that first forward taking it close to the line, close to yeah. the attacking line. And you're then buying... So much of that thing is just about buying time. It's about buying seconds. Absolutely. You know, that's because of the aggressive blitz defence. Yeah. So much of rugby now, so much of attack is about buying a second or two, you know, trying to yeah. make as much time for the other players as you can. Yeah. 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 No, it's remarkable. I'm aware we've gone very off topic and, yeah. you know, I've very much managed to find a way to bash a certain Premier Sports pundit who should remain nameless. So should we get back onto the game? So yeah, France are <laughs> broadly speaking shit. Oh, there's I a mean, bit where there's another... Phony murders Dimitri Ashvili in plain sight. Yes, that's that fun. fun. That's fun. He so he gets back to cover the space from the scrum so quickly. I had to rewind it and check they hadn't been playing him in the centre. <laughs> they hadn't dropped him into the centre. In yeah, that, yeah, that, that would have been phase. fun. Uh, yeah, Clamphony playing centre, but alas, no, no. The bit where it really gets spicy. So you get mm. to the 60-minute mark, you think, okay, France are going to score a couple of tries now. And Tonga's response, instead of letting France make some ground on them, Siali Piatal makes yes. a saucy break through the, the Tongan defence and passes to Viliami Yongi, who sadly doesn't quite finish. He steps inside a couple of players. It's quite unfortunate that, they, that Tonga don't manage to finish that chance because they go to a few pick-and-goes, get a penalty, and alas, Marath misses from out wide. 
But Siali Pietau doing sort of that trademark line, which he still runs to this day. This was... It's a joy. This was the interesting point. I remember we both watched it here with Kiwi Commentary, who were suggesting fingering. And at one point on the Taumalolo warning he got, (laughs) one of the Kiwi commentators said, surely they, they can't get him for timing. It's got to be for just the shoulder. Yeah. Like he's Pablo Escobar saying, yeah, we're going to get him for tax evasion because we can't get him for the other crimes he's committed. But yeah, so, you know, as I said, the, the, because we weren't listening to the English commentary, but I still remember a lot of Andy yes. Gomesol and... Martin Gillingham. Remember, it was Martin Gillingham. Yeah. Because at the end of this game, right, Grant Nisbet says the word Nottingham. He does. He does. And it feels he like the whole thing coming circle. Can you imagine? Nottingham, yeah. Can you imagine how many times Nottingham would have been mentioned... If 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 we're listening to Martin Gillian, the count yeah. would have rocketed up. I might yeah. have to watch this game back I'm tempted, before we come know. to the end, just yeah. to, I to catch how many third times it's time in lockdown. You know, yeah. doing it, the word Nottingham in a New Zealand accent was weird, isn't it? It is, isn't it? It doesn't sound right at all. Yeah, it's like when <laughs> when I was in Canada. I might have mentioned this on an episode before. I told someone I was from Nottingham, yeah, as well as born. And they said Nottingham's. That's not a real place. That's a made-up place where Robin Hood's from. Only in a Canadian accent. But they said Noting- Nottingham. Nottingham. Yeah. Huh. It's like that, yeah. you know that video of um, Nigella Lawson saying the word microwave? <laughs> yes. When she says a microwave. Microwave. Yeah. Yes. It's like that. Absolutely. Who'd have thought Flua. Nigella Lawson gets a reference in this Flua. podcast? Yeah, Flua. Honestly, she Flua. needs to get more. That's better. That's better. That's Flua. good. That's good. Nice. Solid goes loud impressions. Thanks. Um <laughs> Yeah, so we come back talking. next week for more girls aloud impressions. <laughs> Can you do Nicola? No. Oh, she's so, sort of very scouse. Fabrice Estebanez comes onto the pitch. No, 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 I was making a point. So sorry. So oh, Fra- Tonga have <laughs> that's fine, it's fine. It's what I was expecting. So Tonga have a penalty five metres out from the line, oh, yeah, right? This. Um and the the table we didn't mention at the start, I probably should mention it oh, at the yeah. head of this. That's quite important. So New Zealand have qualified. Yeah. For the knockout stages, France needed two points to be absolutely certain. So a draw or both losing bonus points or a win puts them through. Yeah. Okay. Theirs is quite simple. Tonga, if they get a try bonus point, they'll jump ahead of France. Yeah. And they'll go for a head. Or they need France to get nothing and then they draw on points difference. Yeah. And at this point, when the penalty is given on the line and the almost score, I remember Andy Gomesol on comms making what is a perfectly legitimate point. You know, um, he doesn't have all the money on the world in it or anything, but no. he just says that oh, he asks why they're going for goal, but they need to start trying to score tries. They need to try and get out of the group. Sure, but you completely get it. You know, oh, it's yeah, like Tonga yeah. going, we can beat France here. They don't they're want here to for the taking. throw that away because I imagine that there are players in this team who still think about this match every day of their lives. Yeah, yeah. To this well, day, it's, it's like when I interviewed Gaminara, and he said that he. You know, he watched that game back seven or eight times during the first few weeks of lockdown. Right. That, uh, Uruguay beating Fiji, you know, because it was it was the biggest day of his life. You know, yeah. it was the biggest occasion he'll ever play in. And there are lots of players in his team who haven't played for Tonga since. This is their last yeah, game. Yeah. They retired after this World Cup. And the last thing you've ever done playing for the Kalitahi is beating the French. Like, what an incredible thing that is. You can't blame them for yeah. going for the win first, I, then the bonus point after that. Because it was, what, the 50s they beat Australia? Was the last time they beat yeah, a big tier a one nation? Time, long time ago. Yeah. Like, and it, this is one of the... They beat them in a World Cup as well. Especially which means so much more. The heartbreak of losing to the Springboks in 2007. 
Yeah, yeah. Like, I imagine that must have meant, meant so much to them. that I imagine, again, a lot of players probably think about that every day, that they'd lost yeah. that golden opportunity. And a lot yeah. of players, for a lot of players, that probably this probably would have been the shot at redemption. That, you know, we're going to beat a Tier 1 team in the World Cup on the big stage and bloody deserve it. Yeah. And so I don't blame them at all for not looking at no, the I points agree. table. You know? 100% the, agreed. They could have, once they got um, two scores up later on, Sure. Maybe they do then. But I don't blame them at all thinking, no, actually, we're going to make sure we're going to beat France and we don't care by how many points we're going to win. And we right? will and come on end... to how buzzing they were when they won the game. The oh, yeah, whistle. yeah. And even before the final whistle. Yes. But yeah, so Tonga take the shot, they miss it, but they're still, they're by far the better team in the second yeah. half. They're the more composed team. Uh, they're still making erratic passes because that was the theme of the day. Sure. As I said, there's a bit of a dog show theme, but both teams do get better in the second half, but Tonga get yeah. notably better, you know. Agreed. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So, yeah, Fabrice Estebanez comes onto the field. Yes. And then he goes back off again because he yeah. does a much worse tip tackle than the one Hufanga does, uh, where Julian Bonet has got his man. And then Estebanez just goes, all right, lads, I'm going to give him a hand here. And then just grabs his legs and tries to tip him upside down. Uh, yeah. Murray Mexter compares it to the Brian O'Driscoll Lions tackle, which I don't think is a fair comparison. No. Uh, but it is dangerous and very unnecessary and just bad. And he ends up getting a yellow card for him, which is the correct call. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, consistency and so on. And yeah. That's what the conference sure. is talking about, you know, you've got to be consistent, which is what Steve was. He was consistently gorgeous and he was consistently giving yellow cards. Yeah. Except yeah. for except for now Maka. <laughs> of course, when he should have, yeah, definitely given one. There was another point where Julian Bonaire gives away, it does this really professional foul after Viliami Mahafu makes this break. So, yeah, yeah, go on. No, I just realised we didn't talk about the Ashvili chip. We oh, said, yeah. I said, let's talk about that. And then we didn't then talk about no. that. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> after Claire does that brilliant kind of holding the ball up, Yeah. France clear out. And because the five-second rule didn't yet exist, you know, that came in that maybe 18 months down the line, Yashvili stands literally with his hands on his hips, just looking at the ruck. And Tonga stood there and the crowd's jeering and they're shouting and the ruck probably takes about 30 seconds. And he stood there looking at it, looking at it, looking at it, thinking about it. He goes in, he shapes the box kick, he waits a bit, you know, just, just hang about, why not? Just... Just have a bit of a holiday. Just everyone's there. Tong and team are turning back to go and jog back to halfway. And he just a little dink in behind. Yeah, it's really it's nice. so cheeky. Because when a scrum off does that, you expect of... them to boot the ball miles rather yeah. than just in behind. And if they're going to do that little dink, they do it quickly. You know, yeah. no one takes the much time over it the Ashvili does. And it works because he's such a shit out. He yeah. just loves winding Love them up. Yeah. And it almost comes off. It's a really good kick. It's a really good follow up. 
And I just loved how much time he takes over it. Yeah. Because Yashvili is the one France player... Well, there's another one we'll, we'll touch on later. But yeah, he... Yashvili is, again, very good in a France team that are imploding around him. And yeah. you understand, despite the fact Power is probably the most talented nine they had, and he'd been on great form when they won the Grand Slam the previous year, Yashvili had to be in that team. Because yeah. that was a team imploding, and he was sensible in the middle of it. Yeah. That's... No, I agree with everything you're going to say, so I have nothing else to add. So yeah. um, we'll move back to... Marfu. Yes. So France give away a free kick offence, so it's like an early shove or something on a scrum. Yeah. And they think, right, Tonga... We know what they're like. They're going to take another scrum, aren't they? They want another go at us. And Kurt Moraf just comes in and she goes, nah, lads, let's boot it in the air. France drop the ball. It lands in the hands of Viliami Marfu, who just makes a clean break despite having two people marking him. And then he goes sort of a lot of the way, makes a pass, and then uh, France give away a penalty. Hmm. Moraf goes for a drop goal, hits the post, yeah. and then they give him the penalty and Moraf converts it from the penalty attempt. At which point, there's a woman in the crowd who is holding up three fingers, mouthing the words, three points. At which point, Murray Muckstead on the commentary says, oh, I think that woman there in the crowd is saying, oh, lad, you need to score three tries so you can get the bonus point and get us out the group. <laughs> yes, that was what she was saying, yeah. word for word. Not, yes, we've got three points. And word for the Tongan crowd in this game, they were excellent. They were great. Yeah. Grant Nisbet compares it at half-time to the sevens. You said it's close to the atmosphere in the 70s. It's the kind of part yeah, of the atmosphere. It is and there's a, bit, a moment where... a bit I more hostility the, than that. The but... kick we mentioned, because Kurt Rath misses two shots at goal, both which are very gettable. Yeah. And after one of them, it cuts to Tongan fans in the crowd, and they're all cheering and yeah, loving they love it. Like, it hasn't made a difference that they missed. <laughs> the sheer vibes in this game yeah. are off the chart. The Tongan crowd are phenomenal. Yeah. And because the French fans are great, you know. I was at this, this fixture in 2019. Mm. I was... I'd i had a hell of a day. Like, it was a nightmare day out. Someday I'll talk you through it. Sure. Or I'll talk everyone listening through it. But like my head was bleeding. Uh, oh, I turned yeah, up I late. That. It yeah. was that day. Yeah. Yeah. So you yeah, got I turned smacked up sort of... around the face by Sione Calafoni, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. It was a, yeah. honestly. I, I don't know what he was doing on my train, but yeah. I actually did get a train with the Tonga yeah, team he did, later so. that like the following day, yeah. These are like six anecdotes just merging into one. Yeah. But that was one of the best atmospheres I've ever been in for a yeah. game because it was this weird thing of both sets of fans were really passionate but didn't give a shit about the game <laughs> like there were French fans who were losing their mind whenever France did anything like if France made a positive carry they started cheering as if they just won the World Cup and I don't know if that just spoke to the level of France team it was but clearly because they're like this you know this game doesn't matter we've already qualified who cares and Tom were a bit like we could get a scalp here you know but we're going to lose. Who cares? So both sets of fans were just having a great time. <laughs> and at one point, Steve Maffey kicked me in the leg. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. So yeah. I, I just made up something about Cyril Nakamafone lamping you around the face, which didn't happen. No, but I actually got kicked But you did get actual... injured by a Tongan-type yeah. five forward, so a back yeah. five forward even. So fair play. Good on yeah, you. Yeah, it was or, a hell of a no. day. That's again, that's maybe a story for another time, but yeah, it's because sure. it's a, it's a long that. story. Yeah. Fidiami Mahafu ends up making another break with just seven minutes to go. Yes. Uh, he then has Iongi screaming on his outside and he has Fahofalau on his inside. He, and maybe not wrongly, gives the ball on the inside. No, to I don't think either of them were wrong. No, he gives the ball to Fahofalau, who is the slower of the two players, but, you know, you think quick enough to finish the try, who instead just decides, nah, I'm just going to run into Maxi Medar instead of scoring. Honestly, yeah. Because he could just take it in the posts. Yeah. But he instead could've. he does that thing of trying to beat the last defender 
or trying to run over him. Yeah. And it's a bit like I was watching this in the, the Misk of the Year and Squidge Awards try <laughs> a break Harjay Snowman made in Japan. Yeah. Where he busts clean through and he has the option of running under the posts or running at the fullback just next to the posts. And he actively runs towards the fullback in like a you're having it way. And it's not even like fucking the singer running into yeah. Taylor Petty the other year when he kind of had two options. And yeah. he, t- he took the wrong one, but it would have been more fun for him if he scored sure. it. You know, it would have been better highlights real moment. But instead, no, like in both of these cases, no, you chose to not score that try. You know, yeah. you, you chose violence over yes. points. Yeah. And eventually France do give away a penalty, which Marath misses. So yes. the score is 19 points to nine. And let's do this. Let's do this. So as we've mentioned, if France get a losing bonus point out of this, because Tonga don't have the bonus points, <laughs> all France would need to qualify if they get a losing bonus points. So they need to get is, to 12-19. If they score three points in these final seven minutes, right? Yeah. All they need is for the All Blacks to come within 64 points of Canada. They could do that. That's so Canada would need a try bonus point and, and they need to win by, it's yeah, I believe like 62, 60 something points. Yeah. Right. Well, if and Carter stays fit, say, I think the All Blacks could do that. I was going to say, yeah, if Dan Carter remains fit, chances are the All Blacks will come within 60 points of Canada, right? Yeah. Though they haven't named Connor Trainer in the team, which That's true. could be interesting. Connor Trainer so would we'll be see. big. And to be honest, if he's around, I'd like to talk to him about that. That'd be great. That'd be yeah, great. If, if fancies... anyone does happen to know Connor Trainer, former Canada centre, actually current, no, he's still playing sevens, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Please, please hook us up. Yeah, give us his digits. Gen- this is a genuine request. Genuine offer, yeah. Genuine, genuine, genuine. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, basically, France need a looting bonus point and they're good as fruit. Like, it's not yeah. mathematically safe, but it's good as safe. Yeah. Right? In the world we live in, it is safe. So. Oh, no. I can't so talk Vidiani about it. So, Yongi ends up taking the ball back behind his trial line and grounding it. Meaning yeah, so it's they... a five meter scrum to France. There's a loose pass by Tonga because, of course, there is. Yeah. They hack it on. And there's similar situation to Van Sinclair, where Iongi is the only player back and there are yeah. five French players swarming on him and they this time drag him over the line in the way Tonga could with yeah. Claire. It was Luke de Cazal, so, of all people, kicking that ball through, by the way. Which oh, was inch perfect. Nice. Yeah. yeah, fair play. So France get a five-metre scrum with five minutes to play, right? And you think two scores, they're a tier one team, they're France. We've seen what they've done in the last 10 minutes against Japan and Canada. Sure. They could do this. <sighs> Cup of tea? Anyone? Yeah, I might have a wee. I might be, I'll be back in a second. Okay. And that was a metaphor for what France did when approaching this scrub. Yeah. Because France absolutely take their time in preparing to set the scrum France then when the ball goes in they just leave it at Aaron Ordecke's feet for quite a while they're driving forward they're getting close to the line let's be frank about this right Mm. what France are doing is they're standing up in the scrum to decrease the radius of the scrum to make it look like they're dominating Tonga when in, (laughs) in actual fact they are getting mullered 
They're man- they're managing not mullered, but they're managing to just about get the back get the ball to the back so Aaron Order has mm. it at his feet. And at that point, they're just kind of the both sets of front rows are ending up standing up just so it looks like France are that bit closer to the try line. When in actual fact, France are not pushing them back. I don't know, they get a little shove on initially before that happens. But regardless, yeah. right, they're a at the end of the first scrum, by the first time the first scrum is set, uh, both teams take their time over it, but I think France you know, could have got a move on. The ball is at Aaron Ordecke's feet for like 12 seconds, yeah. if not more. And you've got four minutes to score two tries to avoid the embarrassment of losing to a tier one no- tier two nation, right? Yeah. They have an overlap as well, because yeah. France have got two players in really tight to the scrum, and Claire stood right on the touchline. Yeah. They could spread that and it's a solid chance. And they don't do it. They just, they don't use the fact that they do the kind of, because they do the thing you want as a back in that attacking situation where they've turned the French scrum. So the nine and the pack are all at a disadvantage in covering across. So the backs then aren't numbered up evenly yeah. on the open side. That is a proper chance for France yeah, for if sure. they just spread it out. First phase. You know, especially if Aaron Ordecke draws someone as well or the yeah. nines able to draw someone as well. Yeah, it's, it's, as, it's as clean a chance as you'll get, you know, without it being three men in the bin and you've got to walk in like yeah. that one happened with Worcester last year yeah um, no Bath sorry against Worcester yeah it's and they just don't do it they just don't use the ball and so the scrims are given as both teams up and they reset it and they do it again yes and then Tonga do the unthinkable and give away a penalty and you think oh mm. no and Martin Gilliam says it on the commentary and Francois Tranduc will step up and put this ball between the posts so France are good as qualified. But this happens, right? There's been three resets, all of which the ball has been playable for France and they haven't used it, right? Yeah. So by the time that penalty is given, it's the first time Aaron Audi picks and goes. Mm-hmm. And 18 minutes is up. You know, I think the, the advantage is yeah. given on about 79.55. Yeah. And then 80 is gone by the time the penalty is blown. If France had used it on any of the previous ones... They could have scored. They could have worked it at least, even if they scored a drop goal and they were just in touch, you know, to then score the last play. They've kept themselves in the game. Instead, they've eaten up all the time they had and found themselves in a situation where they can only get a losing bonus point. Yeah. So, at this point, France have been given the penalty. As I say, you Mm. think, right, they'll take the losing Totally between the posts. Yes. Directly between the posts. Five metres out. So, it is... I I would wager that Pretty much anybody in this French team could step up and slot a penalty through the posts. Yeah, it's Pascal Pate could have done it. That yeah. was the controversial thing in that statement by Gillingham. You know, it was, is it going to be Yashvili? Is it going to be Tran Duke? Who's yes. it going to be? Rather than, is that the decision they're going to make? So, for some reason, France... Oh, my God. France take the scrum. Yes. And, uh, you know what? I might try and get at the soundbite of um, t- uh, Sona Tamalolo's reaction. Because... Yes. Him but and his boys are buzzing. Even before it happens, even before Dusa, Thierry Dusatois, all-timer player, makes that decision, you can see Taumalolo is gesturing, you know, the scrum call, the, like, yeah. the two hands together, and shouting for a scrum, 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 scrum. And then, when Dusatois calls the scrum, you just hear, wow, like that. And they are bouncing. Like, Lutui and Tamalolo are jumping up and down like, yes, we get another scrum. It's and, for woohoo! Yeah. 
You just like they don't just stop leave it at one wahoo. It's this constantly like, he's punching and the air. They are going down right. To, the referee calls crouch, and as they go down, you can you can witness Tamalolo and Lutui shit talking the French front row <laughs> and saying like, "Come on, boys, we're going to batter them here." Um, my favorite bit as well is after the last reset. You can see Lutui just goes up to Thierry Dusatois, points in his face, and starts laughing at him. <laughs> they're They've got such grins on their face the entire scrum yeah. as well. And I like watching that back and kind of trying to, you know, for as long as you can, for as much as you can see of them, they're all three of them smiling so it. broadly. They love it. every second of that. Yeah. And they're just thinking, yeah, if they want to scrum against us again, then sure, we'll have them. <laughs> France do recycle the ball to the back and they spread it wide and Phantom Clare scores a try in the corner. And yeah, and it's so easy. Point. They could have done this five minutes earlier, yeah. and they didn't. Or they could have kicked the point. It would have been exactly the same outcome yeah. from a friend perspective. Why did they risk going to the touchline? Everything about it is dumb. And yeah. because if it's a worse finish than Vance Claire, that's put out, you know? There's yeah. a lot of wingers who wouldn't have finished that try, and we seem to say this on every single episode. But Claire is a phenomenal yeah. finisher, and he grounds the ball and makes it look easy when it goes to the TMO. You know, yeah. it's kind of very clean cut, like, yeah, that's obviously a try, one replay, done. But, but there is cover coming across, even though they weren't. If it wasn't Vincent Clare and that guy who ended up going into touch, who knows? New Zealand would have maybe had to come within twenty points of Canada, not sixty-four. It would have been so yes. much harder. For the record, if every other result went the way it did and they didn't get the losing bonus point, France still would have qualified. Yeah, okay, but they enough. would have only just snuck. But through. it's nuts. I mean, I get it. They scored the try. They got with it. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, but why? It's not worth the risk, is it? No. You've got an easy option, or you've got a super difficult option that you haven't managed even after trying for 80 minutes. It's Yeah, we'll take the second one, because perseverance. But, no, when I think back to this game, uh, I always... That picture of Tamalolo bouncing up and down, wooing uh, wooing at the French pack, that that just is one of the iconic moments. Uh, Latoui as well. Latoui, who had a great game and was yeah. is just one of the big hard men of South Seas rugby over the years, and it was it was great watching those two just really enjoying scrummaging. <laughs> That's again, it's the moment that stays with me. It's them loving it, and then the moment the final whistle goes, they don't give a shit that Van Sonclair no. scored, and it's not even They've like won and they had a scrum. Yeah, it's one of those things that happens that you kind of hate. Yeah. Of iconic wins where the losing team scores in the last minute. Yeah. Like happened with Argentina against the All Blacks and it kind of took a little bit of the buzz out of it. Yeah, Jordan Lamb scoring, Clark scoring at the end. for the uh, Grand Slam game. Yes, of course. Yeah. Um, especially that having been nature it was, you know, having yeah. been as, as just defensively sound. Yeah. yeah. And it takes a little bit out of it, but you still need to celebrate, you know. Yeah. And with Argentina, it didn't really matter, but it was kind of a disappointing moment after they defended so well the entire game. But it didn't make a difference at all no. here. No one gave us. I mean, listen, they didn't care when they missed a penalty. They wouldn't care if France yeah. scored a try and still lost. I loved it when they cut to the all the Tongans in their blazers on the sidelines, all just yes. partying. And I think a few of them already had beers in their hands. And like a load of them come up. Like, did you see T- Falfelice coming onto the field afterwards and shaking the no. French players' hands? No. I yeah, he wasn't even playing, and he was coming yeah. on and giving handshakes. Oh, and man. I genuinely think Falfelice might have been half cut by that point. Uh, <laughs> that, that's his equivalent of dancing on tables or pissing on. Imagine bars. how much Felice has to drink to get smashed. I know. I reckon it's a lot. It's like, you know, you hear stories about 
the Ryan Wilson told on recently about Nico Matawalu being like the heaviest yes. drinker he's ever met. Or, like he's never met someone who can hold their booze like yeah. or can drink as much and remain conscious yeah. as Matawalu. But yeah, I reckon there's a few in that Tonga team who would push them. Yeah. Oh, I want to see Falfalise twatted now. <laughs> he's a very happy family man. You know, this yeah. is probably his last last big night out. Yeah, I think you know, thirties is retiring after this. I love that guy. It's a shame he didn't get to play. To be honest, I, I really know. wish he could have played in this and then retired from the Tonga duty. He could have been on the tight head, and we could have seen him smile. Oh yeah, that would have been glorious. The final scrum, he could have come off the bench. Still, Kissy Poole Kissy has Poole. a really good game as well. Yeah, Kissy Poole is great. He was, he was his last game for Tonga, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. No, Again, fair he play. for a long he's, time. He's a oh yeah yeah great servant to Tongan rugby generally. Perpignan. Yeah yeah, and just great captain for them as well. Yeah, across the years because he was sort of you know him and Nicola Mash shared that Perpignan jersey for yeah like. 30 years, you know? Yeah. I think they were both born, they were in nappies when they started. They're having yeah. to bind onto the nappy in the scrum. By the way, um, uh, Le too. he's still playing in the championship next season. Yes. And he's in his mid-40s. Uh, he, no! Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think he's like 43. Wow. And he's playing for whoever's just been promoted from League One next season in the championship. Right. Richmond, so, isn't it? Richmond, I think it is. Yeah, I think Richmond rings a bell. Uh, or Hartpree or someone like that. I mean, yeah, fair play, Lucky Lutui. That man's fair never going to retire, and he puts himself about a bit. So, yeah. So, do we want to go man of the match dick of the day first, or Tongan leaving leaving party first? Let's do man of the match dick of the day first. Okay. Yeah. Should we should we start dick of the day? Sure. Basically, there's two contenders for dick of the day for me. Okay. Well, no, there's three. One of them is Mark Lievemon for focusing more on moustache than tactics. Yeah. That's Another the one, one is just the entire nation of France. Yeah. But, you know, if I if I suggested they were dick of the day, that would suggest they weren't dick of all years ever. So I can't really give it to France. But there is one incident that happened in this game that I went, that is dick of the day worthy. Okay, go on. And so my dick of the day is one of the two coaches. It's either Mark Lievenmon or it's Isotolo Maka, the Tongan coach. Okay. Because you kind of skimmed over what the last penalty was for that Marath kicks. After he misses his drop goal, one of the French players, I think it's Para, goes to catch the ball. He drops it in front of him, and another French player in front of him catches it, mm-hmm. and it's given as a penalty for offside. Sure. Right? Uh, it cuts up the coach's box when that penalty is given before they kick the goal, and Maka looks completely lost, and he's looking at his assistant coach, who's some white guy, who is holding his hands out like almost with like salt and pepper shakers, trying to explain the law to him. And go like, no, so the ball bounces forward onto this guy who's in That's front of him. Incredible. And Maka's kind of shaking his head like, still don't get Let it. Let me open and this like... drawer and get out the Lego figures. Here's Lego <laughs> exactly. Van St. Clair dropping the ball. And here's Lego like... Morgan Power in an offside position. Here's the offside line. Let me get the ruler out. It, it is like he's got the salt and pepper shakers. And he's like, no, exactly. Here's a line. Here's exactly what's happening here. Right. He's got to be in this position. He's got to be in there. And he just doesn't get it. He just looks points. completely We've got three lost. Three points. It's fine. Yeah, three points. No, but that's three tries. We want three tries. Oh like, yeah, yeah. Maka played for the All Blacks. You know, he won the European Cup. Maybe <laughs> he's his... coaching international team. Maybe his assistant was explaining Quidditch to him. That's Quidditch. true. So the snitch has a thing on his back and he has to run away. He can't get on the bus, but that's the only law. Yeah. <laughs> I love the there, are, law of there are more there needs to be more sports that specify that you can't get on a bus in the middle of play yeah Look, that's not even in the rugby like... law book is it no no exactly it actually it's a plot of a Bro, what should... I think we can do something with this right when the barbarians get in touch with us and ask us okay. to coach for them 
should we hire a bus to climb the wing? Not like Julian Surveyor, but like <laughs> an actual bus. Just just hire a bus. So just like we could we could get all the players in a bus. It has to be within the the touchline. But yes, like there's no law stating you can't put all your players on public transport. So, so what I'm thinking, right? You know, Thomas the Tank Engine worked. Yeah, right. I know it too well. Tom of the Tank Engine is qualified for the Lions. Yeah. Um, so I'm worried they might call him up instead yeah. of us for the Barbars. But he seems like quite a Barbars player. Sure. Right. You know those things in Thomas the Tank Engine world where it's like a little recreation mm-hmm. of Thomas the Tank Engine. Uh-huh. And you yeah. kind of sit on his back and he kind of rides mm-hmm. along. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's get one of those. Let's Still. put it on the wing. And let's just have like, I don't know, who'd be who'd be in our Barbars team? Um, Nick Cudd, Nick right, Cudd. can take the ball and ride on his back. Yeah. Though you've got to be worried about obstruction, actually. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. So Thomas needs to stop the ball. We smuggle it back like a mall, but it's Thomas the tank engine at the front, and he drives yeah. them all backwards. Yeah. I like where this is going. To prevent it being obstruction, you need to allow one opposition player onto the train, uh, and then have a, load <laughs> yes. of, have a load of our players. Make sure they're stood behind Cud so we can pass backwards to get it off the train. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's still not quite... Maybe that's what we do, right? <laughs> Last play, we're solidly ahead. You know, we're like two scores ahead, right? And the opposition do a France and they take a scrum. Yeah. Okay? At which point, all of our players just leave and get on the team bus <laughs> a minute early so they can just walk straight through and score. And what we need to do is we need to call this move um, dummy switch. So you shout dummy yes. switch and everybody thinks... Uh, like we ran this move you made this move up for the last game of touch we played before Christmas where mm. basically I'd call a move where I'd just say something really obviously and then instead of actually running the move you would get out your face mask and put it on <laughs> that was the move and that was the move that was the move so it's and a similar thing someone different, we'll also yeah. have on top of the train we'll have a fly half uh, just in case the whole team crowd around the train and try and block the try line so the fly half can cross field kick to the other side of the pitch from to the top of the train yeah. yeah man we, should, we, we should have this job Percy. Yes, Percy on the wing. Yeah. Should, should we carry on with the dick of the day? Nah. Nah, okay. nah I don't think we should. Um, have you ever seen the the German art house film, The Goalie's Anxiety at the Penalty Kick by yeah, Van Venders? Yeah, yeah cool. Because uh, the plot of that film is just like, join, like join a football match, this goalie at like a lower level, professional level in Germany. He just gets bored and he leaves and he goes oh, and gets fair. on the bus and he goes and hits <laughs> on the girl working in the cinema. And okay. it's just the plot of the film. It's just like this goalie gets really bored of football and he just leaves. Fair play. Yeah. Um, That's what the film's about. That's German cinema for you. Sounds good, man. Sounds good. It's fine. Yeah, okay. It's uh, one of those films that's like 85 minutes long but feels long. Um, did you... Uh, <laughs> it's funny how this podcast episode is longer than that now. Um, <laughs> yes. Did you actually pick a dick of the day in the end? Oh, it was us yeah, so I'm giving it. I'm giving it to Maka. Yeah. Okay, I okay. Stole right, I've got a couple here. So one of them is Dimitri Sarseski for the fact that he comes onto the the field and the commentator saying, "Right, big impact player this is." And though he is beautiful and a good rugby player, the first thing he does is give away an offside, two phases in a row, and then just randomly tackles somebody off the ball like he doesn't like he's come on like a headless chicken, doesn't really know what he's doing. Um, mm. Another one is Dimitri Ashvili for the fact he goes for a dive pass and then Steve Walsh is in the way of the nine ten channel, and so what he has to do is wriggle his entire body round and reverse spin it so he's spinning it the wrong way to get Isn't the ball that to his man ten. Of the match thing rather than the dick of the day thing. I guess so. It's very Isn't that impressive. A moment of incredible skill. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, I guess so. But my, my dick of the day has to go to Kurt Morath for the fact that he had a, a three-man overlap outside of him at one point and tried to throw the legs pass, which was just dropped. Oh, my God, yes. We didn't mention that. Yeah. Because when you think of through the legs passes, you think of the one Tron Duke himself did. Yeah. You think of the one Dan Bigger did. You think Brian of, iconically, O'Driscoll. Brian O'Driscoll. You think of Carlos Spencer, yes. the Rock of Elko try, like the, the famous one, right? You don't think of Kurt Morath pointlessly lobbing it to someone stood right next to him who knocks it on. Yeah. Because it is not on most of the time. No. Most of the time they do not work. That is what will happen if most of us try it. And actually it's a great profound moment that someone that's created this try in an iconic World Cup match then does something that reminds us of why most of us don't get to play in a World Cup because we're shit. Yes. Right. And he does something that's like, that's what I would have done if I tried to free the legs pass yeah. in, in an in-game situation. It's just humanising, you know, it's nice, it's profound. Should we do Man of the Match now? Sure. So Kurt Morath is your dick of the day. Yes. Man of the Match. I'll start, shall I? Sure. First off, my first two nominations are, there are two people... Did you watch the French National Anthem before the game? Uh, no, I don't think I did, actually. There are two yes. people in the crowd singing to baguettes. <laughs> okay, yeah. Two on, whole done. human beings who are singing to baguettes. However, I think Aleki Lutu is one player I want to give man of the match. Just, you know, the big man. And he just he carried so many times. I, I don't have a stat in front of me for that. But he made a lot of carries, made a lot of yards. Set piece, he was very good. Uh, however, I'm actually going to give it to Tanya Lamoa. I think he disrupted French ball when necessary. You know, he stole a line out. He put in some good probing kicks, made a couple of breaks. I just think he managed the game as well as he thought he was managing all the previous games. And for all the criticism I've given Moa in the first two games where I gave him dick of the day, I think he was exceptional in this game. So he's my man of the match. Fair enough. No, I, I, I completely get that. He's in contention for me. As I said, if he was a back row forward and yeah. it wasn't for the fact that some of his passing is not up to the standard you hope, yeah. I guess. I think he was right up there for me. Oh, Villiano uh, Martin was really good as well. He made three clean breaks and a great kick. Yes. I, so I had uh, Lutui, Marfu and Calamafoni. I thought what yeah, all was excellent. Calamafoni was the official man of the match. Yes. Hard to argue with. Yeah. You know, he was very, very good. Agreed. Uh, and he was one of those performances where you get into the second half and you kind of go, oh, Calamafoni's been phenomenal. Hasn't yeah, it? yeah. You realise like, You're point. not thinking about it and then you realise it and you're like, oh no, I can't see that. It's funny because weirdly, Julian Belair is the king of those performances. Yes. And, yeah, and he's, it was his opposite number. His opposite, yeah. yeah. Now, if you were to ask me, and this is not a sentence I ever thought I'd say prior to watching this game back when we're talking about doing this podcast, when we're thinking about this game as a potential episode, right? Who was the best player on the pitch in the iconic... France v Tonga game for the 2011 Rugby World Cup. If I were to answer you honestly, who I thought the best player on the pitch was, it's Alexis Palisson. You think? I think, I he think was Alexis shit. Palisson was the best player on the pitch. I think he was rubbish. I think it was the best game I've ever seen. I think play. he got nailed a few times. He did that kick where he just booted it dead from like. See, but, okay, yards. this is it. This is what I'm talking about, right? So, by that point, Palisson's made three breaks, right? And he's given a backhand offload to Lacafia, who somehow managed to go forward despite all the previous evidence otherwise. You know, like his sat nav didn't turn him around. Like that first half in particular, Palisson was phenomenal for France. Like there were so many times when the commentators talked about Madar having a good game, and Madar has like two breaks where he's good and he's sort of, you know, there or thereabouts. But Madar is not covering the backfield. He's just kind of lingering around, like checking his sideburns in the mirror. And there's so many times when the ball just bounces in space in the middle of the field that should be Maydars to cover. And Palisson's sweeping in from one wing to cover it, then making a half break, then linking up with someone else. 
Like he did, you couldn't have asked for more from a winger in a game where this sort of thing was happening. And then when you get into that that moment with the kick that goes dead, yeah. right? France should have kicked that front up. Like there was space in behind down. That you know, doesn't mean Palaton should take it on himself because, though. No, no, no. Okay, so so the space in behind on the wing Palaton was on. Um, yeah, would have been Iongi opposite him. Uh, it's up really flat, right? And I was kind of spotting that watching it live. Like Paris should kick this. Um, and they'd also gone a couple of phases up until then when they, were, they weren't kicking, they'd been going nowhere in particular, and France hadn't been kicking at all. And Palisson was the only person who seemed to have any rugby intelligence. And there were, there were a couple of moments with that, and there's a quick throw he took as well, after he smashed uh, Lilo into touch, um, where he just seemed to go, God, I've got to do this as well, you know. And the kick goes dead, but like, it's one of those stupid things, like, if it didn't go dead, it was a good kick, you know. Like, he found sure. a lot of space. Uh, he could have put a lot of pressure on, but unfortunately, it rolls too far. Yeah. Um, and because he has no time to do it as well, because Parra gives him what would have been a hospital ball if he didn't kick it. Um, so he actually, he sort of weirdly makes the right decision to get, say, get smashed into touch. Hmm. Uh, oh, no, he goes dead. Yeah. He would have been smashed into touch otherwise. Um, I thought he was unbelievable. And I don't feel I can give him out of the match, but I, I thought it was genuinely... I think he was very good, but fair I thought enough. it was genuinely the best I've ever seen him play. And like, I always That's rate him as a solid option, call, you know. But fair um, enough. But yeah, I thought he was fantastic. But I have to give it to either Marfield or Calamaphony, I feel, because both of them were very, very good. Um, and I think maybe because Calamaphony is the official man of the match, I'm going to say Marfu. Okay. Biliami Marfu was my man yeah, of the match. Yeah, he was phenomenal. But huge mention. Yashvili is the other France player I thought was very good. Yeah. Um, but Palisson, I thought, was excellent. And I never saw that sentence coming out of my mouth. Christ, fair play. Um, and so, to wrap up, I'm aware we've been recording for about four days now. But... We finally say "fucker ow" to Tonga. Whoa, what? Yeah, that's F A K A apostrophe A U. "Fucker ow" is how I'm choosing to pronounce that. Probably incorrectly. Cool. My apologies if there are any Tongan listeners who want to correct me on that. But it is time to say farewell to Tonga, who I'd developed a bit of a soft spot for uh, prior to this tournament, and I enjoyed throughout the tournament. Um, any thoughts? Are you getting music up? Uh, this is Tonga by Joey B. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Who I presume is Joey Barton. Eliotta's yeah, I think it is, yeah. Name. So, um, yeah, so Tonga, right? As you said, yeah, they're a really easy team to have a soft spot for. And as we kind of mentioned, I don't think there's been a better Tonga team than this since. No. Uh, it to wasn't because of the 07 team, but this is no. sort of, yeah, with, in 15 and 19, they've not sort of lived up to the... Uh, standards they sort of set at this sort of time mm. and i think whereas fiji have had obvious hooks in 2015 and 2019 yeah as and even 2007 every world cup except this one kind of in recent memory as the really exciting flair team yeah right and whereas samoa in 2011 were so good yeah like just as a general rugby team tonga didn't perhaps have the usp of no. the other iconic island teams. Yeah, because they had but, the same sort of sort of plan as Samoa to just batter people, and they didn't yeah. really do it as well as Samoa. But that's not a problem. Yeah. Whereas Tonga, I feel... <laughs> it was that thing you said of like controlled aggression, and I thought they were... They played like a very classic... Like I can't have it written down that Tonga are like the world's best pub team. Yeah. I, I weirdly see where you're coming from from that. Like, you know, every player just does the job of their position. You know, yeah. the wingers finish and they run quick. 
The ten likes to kick a lot. Yeah. The scrum half weirdly is a forward, but we look over that. <laughs> and then all the forwards just love Taumalolo and Tongawea and Felice and Pulu love scrummaging. Yeah. You know, like it's what they live for. They love, love, love it. Yeah. Right. And then you have the back row love hitting people. Marfu loves carrying. Pietau, brilliant, brilliant center. Uh, we're kind of just covering, you know, yeah. as we are. Maylee as well, actually, very good. He's yeah. kind of forgotten a bit. No, yeah, I rate him. But very I good think player. Bungalilo as well, massive, really slow fullback, which I love. Yeah, for me to pick a player of the tournament for Tonga, I've got to say Sona Tamalolo. I think he was sort of the revelation on the international yeah. stage of this World Cup. Obviously, he was well-known in Super Rugby, but he really kicked on after this tournament. And, and for, yeah. ma- for me, he is the man of the tournament. And if, to say he was sort of in um, Tonga Weir's shadow before the World Cup, yeah. and sort of to come out and express himself in the way he did, he was outstanding. And because Tonga Weir was coming off the back of that incredible season he had in Northampton, yeah. where he was like the top try scorer in the Premiership, yeah. and was dominating scrums, and became sort of an icon yeah. for a, about two seasons, maybe three. My um, um, before leaving Northampton, my dick of the tournament would be uh, Isotola Maka for not picking Talfalise in this game. That's very fair. Yeah, Talfalise deserves his own award he for does. being an icon, a hero, a legend, and just really handsome. Um, a wonderful, wonderful, and very handsome man. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think Lutui's up there. Lutui's uh, I think he's amazing. very good. Yeah, Great I think player. kind of my runner-up would be Siali Piatal. Siali Piatal. This is where he expressed himself, and I think if not yeah. for this tournament, he wouldn't have gone on to have the career he's had with Bristol mm. and captaining Tonga and captaining Bristol, I suppose. Uh, Wasps as well. Wasps. Yeah, I think he's had such a good career, and that was sort of kick-started by this tournament. Yeah, because he was both simultaneously a flair player and a really solid option. Yeah. You know, and the way he adapted from thirteen to twelve, he, very very good player. Yeah, very very good player. Got nothing but time for him. And it was kind of, much as I would have loved the USA to do something, you know, and for Blaine and everything in that yeah. last game in the 2019 World Cup, it was great to see him have a proper send-off. And kicking you know? the conversion uh, and everything, yeah. Yeah, like scoring a try to seal it. And that felt like a tribute to him. You yeah. know, it felt like what he deserved after his career. And unfortunately, Blaine Scully didn't get to say the same thing. Yeah. But, sorry, yes, no, no, no. So my, my play of the tournament is also Tamalolo, yeah. for reasons discussed prior. Um, okay. I think wonderful. And even though he spent a lot of time on the bench, he was brilliant and wonderful and great and etc. Okay, so I think that brings us to the end of this very, very long episode. Sure. I haven't picked a dick of the tournament, but... Oh, okay, go on and do it. Do it. I shouldn't have interrupted you because I don't really have one. Yeah. Moa. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure. Daniel Moa. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's also just dawned on me that now we're in 2021, the Rugby World Cup 2011 is 10 years ago this year. Yeah. Which is a terrifying thought. I am now old. Yeah. Oh, mate, the other day I referred to, it was the Calcutta, old Calcutta Cup game. And I said, oh, from a couple of years ago, I realised it was 2010. Oh, my God. Like It was it was almost 11 years ago and I referred to it as a couple of years I ago. So it was recent. Yeah. I know. Because I realised like Chris Patterson was playing that game. Oh, wow. Hang yeah. on a second. Like Stuart Hogg was 17 at that point, less yeah. than 16, Jesus, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Christ. Wow. Okay. Is that us? I think that is, broadly speaking, us. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you've made it this far, then, you know, yeah. fair play to you. It feels like we're in a special club of just those left. Yeah. Of just, thank you. Thank you, friends. Yeah. I hope you had a lovely Christmas, a happy new year. Yeah, happy new year, everybody. The first one we've done since, and we didn't say happy new year, so happy new yeah. year. Sorry about the long wait as well for this episode. Where we're, <laughs> we're just Christmas. recording it. We just yeah. <laughs> It's taken us the three weeks since to record it. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's good to be back and uh, we should be back on Absolutely. schedule yeah. from now on. 
as we approach the knockouts. That schedule resumes next week with England against Scotland. Scotland need a big win in order to qualify after the loss to Argentina. England are good as through. I think they need two points, maybe a point mm-hmm. out of this game. Yeah. But they go in as heavy favourites. In the meantime, Courtney Laws has just been banned. Oh. I remember this rolling as a headline on this sort of game um, on oh, ITV. Yeah. That's all they talked about was Courtney Laws being banned. That. Yeah. Did yeah. Dan Armitage get banned as well? Yes, he did. Uh, yes. Why do I remember that? It was 10 years ago. Because it was all ITV talked about. Yeah, all ITV talked so. about. They just kept bringing it up as a thing. Like, we've had a historic result in which Tonga were beaten France, but most importantly, Courtney Laws has been banned. Yeah. Huh. Well, we'll cover all of this next week. Um, yeah. Hopefully with a guest, but. Yes. We'll see. Yeah. Fingers crossed. All being well. Uh, we're coming towards the end of the pool stage now. We've just got a handful of games left. We've officially. We've only got five pool games left. Yeah, I know. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us. We will see you next time for England against Scotland. Goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.